Chapter 3 of Small Souls by Louis Couperus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Doreen, asked Constance, where is Papa's portrait? In the boudoir. Oh, so Mamma has moved it. I want to see it. She went with Doreen through the drawing room, past the card tables. She noticed that the conversation at once stopped at the table where Adolphine and Uncle Roivener were playing, and that her sister raised her voice and said, Did I deal? Diamonds. They were talking about me, thought Constance. She went into the boudoir with Doreen. There was a card table with cards and markers, but there was no one in the room. Decanters and glasses... Sandwiches and cakes had been put out in readiness for later. Papa, said Constance softly. She looked up at the big portrait. It was not a work of art. It was painted in the regulation wooden style of thirty or forty years before, and it struck Constance as an ugly daub, dark and flat, in spite of all the gold on the Governor-General's uniform, all the stars of the orders. The portrait represented a tall and commanding man with a hard face and dark stony eyes. Aye, I used to think that portrait much finer, said Constance. Was Papa so hard? Her eyes were riveted on her father's face. She had certainly been his favourite daughter. Her marriage to Distoffela, his friend, a man much older than herself, had pleased him because it flattered his ambition. But then, then he fell ill. He died soon after, soon after the thing that happened. That and her marriage to van der Velke. Oh God, was it she who had killed him? She drew Doreen to her. Tell me, Doreen, was Papa ill for very long? Yes, Connie, very long. They were silent. They thought of their father, of his ambition of his longing for the greatness which he achieved, of his wish to see his children also great, high-placed and powerful. I say, Doreen, how strange it is. There's not one of Papa's sons. What do you mean, Connie? Nothing. I don't know. Papa had always helped Van Nagel. Her thoughts ran on. Doreen, is Carol still a burgomaster? Oh, no, Connie. Carol and Cato have been living at The Hague for years. And Geritus, a captain? Yes, in the Hussars. I'm quite out of everything. And Ernst does nothing. Ernst has always been rather strange, you know. He really fights shy of people. He collects things, all sorts of things. China, books, old maps. And Paul? No, Paul does nothing. But how strange! What? That they have none of them done anything to distinguish themselves. None of Papa's sons. But, Connie, they're all quite nice, cried Doreen indignantly. Well, yes, Ernst is rather queer, and of course it's not right that Paul should do nothing. I oughtn't to have said it, Doreen, but Papa would have liked to see his children distinguished. Doreen felt annoyed, and at the same time confused. Distinguished! Distinguished! And her thoughts muttered within her mind, 
while Constance stood looking at the portrait. Distinguished, distinguished. Constance did well to talk of being distinguished. True, she had made a great marriage. To Staffela, the minister at Rome, an old diplomatist, a friend of papa's. True, she had been distinguished, no doubt, and it had turned out nicely, her distinguished marriage. Distinguished indeed. Could Constance really be vain still? Perhaps because she was now Baroness van der Velke. A fine thing, that scandal with van der Velke. Distinguished. Distinguished. Well, no, they were none of them distinguished. But then everybody couldn't be Viceroy of the East Indies. Constance had always had that sort of vanity. But Constance, talking, or thinking unkindly of her brothers, whom she hadn't seen for years. That Doreen could not stand. No, that she couldn't. They were brothers. They were family. They were the Van Loers. And she couldn't stand it. She had always stood up for Constance, for Constance was a sister, was herself a Van Loer. But Constance must not start giving herself airs and looking down upon them with her distinguished, her distinguished. Very well, the brothers were not distinguished, but there was nothing else to be said against them, never had been, and against Constance there was. And Doreen's voice suddenly sounded very cold as she asked, Shall we go back to the drawing-room? Constance, however, absorbed in thought, did not notice the cold voice and took Doreen's arm. But when she again passed Adolphine's table, she heard her call quickly in a startled tone, No tramps! Uncle Roivener, who was losing, hissed between his teeth. What a card-holder! Constance, won't you cut in after this rubber? Constance was sure that they were still talking about her. No thanks, Uncle. I really don't feel like playing tonight. Her voice sounded faint, in spite of herself. She stopped for a moment, but, when nobody else spoke, she moved on aimlessly, leaning on Doreen's arm. She felt contented and yet strange in those rooms, in which she saw herself as she was on that last day, the day of her marriage with Distaffela. She could see herself at the wedding breakfast, and afterwards, when the time came to say goodbye. Since then, her own people had become strangers to her. Like a little child, she went in search of her mother, who was talking to Aunt Roivina, sat down in a chair by her and took her hand. "'Well, Constance, it is nice to have you back again,' said Auntie, energetically laying a firm Indian stress on her words. "'So nice for Mamma too. Cassian! Where are you staying now?' At the Hotel des Andes for the present, Auntie. As soon as van der Velke arrives from Brussels, we shall look out for a house. I am so curious to meet your husband. Constance gave a vague laugh. Do you often go to India, Auntie? Yes, child, almost every year. Uncle likes going, because of the business, Taranginongan, the sugar, and then home again on our return tickets. It's so easy with the French mail, no trouble at all. And Alima, my maid, she knows everything. Knows Paris, the custom office, does everything. 
helps uncle with the tickets. You should see her, dressed just like a lady, stays and all splendid. You laughed till you cried. How long did you live in Brussels? We were eight years in Brussels. Small Brussels, I think, compared with Paris. What made you go to Brussels? Tell me. Well, Auntie, laughed Constance, we had to live somewhere. We used to travel a great deal besides. We were often on the Riviera, but suddenly I got terribly homesick for Holland, for Mamma, for all of you. Then I talked about it to van der Velke, about moving to The Hague, and he too was longing to get back to his country. And there was Adrian, my boy. He's thirteen now, and we wanted him to have a Dutch education. Does your son talk Dutch? Of course he does, Auntie. What is he going to be? Constance hesitated. He'll probably enter the diplomatic service, she said in a low voice, thinking involuntarily of her years in Rome, of de Stuffler, of all that had separated her from her people. Really? asked Mamma, greatly interested. Yes, van der Velke would like it. She was still holding her mother's hand, and Mrs. Van Loer sat very erect, looking pleased to have Constance back. Marie, said Auntie, do you know what I think so funny of you? You're mad on your children, mad on them, but when you see your daughter after all these years, you let her sleep at the Hotel des Andes. Why is that? Tell me. I saw Constance once or twice in Brussels, Mrs. Van Loer protested. Constance laughed. But, Auntie, Mamma's like that. She has her own ways. And Adrian, Addy, would be too much for her, though he's a very quiet boy. Mamma said nothing, smiled peacefully. Yes, she was like that. She had her own ways. I was saying to Uncle today, Auntie continued, if it didn't look too funny, I'd ask Constance myself to stay with us. There's that Marie, I said. She's got a big house and leaves her child at the Hotel des Andes. It's beyond me, Marie. Constance, you must come and eat rice with me and bring your husband and boy. Do you like Nassie? Yes, Auntie. We shall be delighted. Constance and Auntie stood up. Constance walked towards the conservatory. The young nephews and nieces were sitting at their round game, but had stopped playing, and Constance shrank from going farther and talking to them, for they hurriedly took up their cards again and went on playing. And she turned away and thought, They were talking about me. The servants came in with the trays. Who'll have a sandwich? Uncle, shall I mix you a drink? asked Doreen, moving restlessly about the rooms. Translator's Note Nasi Rice End of chapter 3